Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't call the boss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Hey, man, fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any beer and vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Thing. I don't know what happened to that, that horn section. <laughs> Someone shot them. They just weren't holding their own. They all fell down. It's like ring around a rosy. Uh, uh, g'day, everyone. It's uh, the afternoon here on 3 Triple RFM, uh, broadcasting proudly from downtown East Brunswick. I'm delighted to look across. We've been enjoying croissants. Oh. And coffees together, Kent Goldsworthy, also known as Panel Beater, your your beaming countenance <laughs> makes my day. Oh, uh, are you are you practicing to deceive with that flattery? I just thought I'd you know kick the ball you know down the down the uh, down the ground and uh, see you know yeah, see what yeah. happens. I don't know it works. It kick works. it high, kick it long, you know, do that. Uh, yeah. Gee, it's wonderful to look across at uh, Studio Three here at Three Triple R and uh, and seeing it full of scientists. What a show! What a show! They do what they do incredibly well, don't they, Cam? Uh huh. And and as to the doctors before and uh, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, big thanks, kudos, um, uh, Doctor Shane's explaining some very important uh, thing. Hey, um, <laughs> over there. Can I share with you a, a science-related quote that I heard yesterday that I think you Is and the audience might enjoy? Mm-hmm. Always. 
Einstein and um, Charlie Chaplin met once. An unlikely duo, you might think. But this is a start of a joke or something. <laughs> no. Charlie Chaplin yeah. and walk into a bar. Into a bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, this, uh, I'm, I'm led to believe this was at the uh, premiere of City Lights, 1932 Charlie Chaplin film. Right. And, um, and Einstein got a ticket. <laughs> and Einstein got a ticket. Hey, he's pretty happy. And, so uh, he would have been in a good mood. Yeah. Yeah, he's at a premiere. And Einstein said to uh, Charlie Chaplin something to the effect of that what he admires most about Charlie Chaplin's work is yeah. that without any words, um, his performance is universal and understood by um, everyone. Nice. Flattery. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's trying to get the after party, you can tell. Yeah, right. Charlie Chaplin replied. Oh, well, no. Well, what I admire what I most about your work, Mr. Einstein, Professor Einstein, yes. um, is that... Um, uh, your work, uh, you do use words and uh, you're admired by everyone, but nobody no, understands understand. anything you <laughs> say. Yeah, wow, okay. Well, he didn't hold back, did he? No, no. Charlie, never die wondering Chapman. <laughs> Ch- Chaplin, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I just remembered, I need at least an apology I need to give. I misadvertently um, said that the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, I think, was 35 years old last week. Ah. Yeah, just a little self-correcting. Um, 30 years is a pretty good run, too. So I'll just we'll start off with that um, would be the go. Um, and, uh, and preview what we've got on the show for you today. We've got an hour of food. Well, we've got 55 minutes now. Uh, but um, I'm... I think it's going to be pretty interesting, I'm hoping. Um, first of all, the helmsman and founder of the Diggers Club, um, Diggers Club, um, all about preservation of heirloom, vegetable seeds, garden-worthy plants and looking after trees. We have Clive Blazy, who will be um, having a chat to us, um, a midwinter sort of garden chat. And Well, it's pretty much, I'm just going to let him go because he's, Knows his, he's kind of a guy who really knows his stuff. So we're going to have a, a chat to uh, him. And if you're uh, not aware of the Diggers Club, maybe uh, have a quick squeeze. Um, the catalogue is just a, a masterpiece, I think, in that um, the way that it preserves biodiversity in this world, very, very important and more and more important to find seeds that work in your area because uh, with climate variability and all those sort of things I think that's uh, a, a super important thing to to think about and also um, allied with that with the effects of inflation um, and the amazing amount of money we have to spend now on food I think working towards any sort of self-sufficiency that you can with growing your own stuff one should. So, yeah, Clive, and uh, we'll be going to the market where John does address the prices of veggies that uh, are getting pretty out of control. But there are still uh, bargains to be had at the market, so it's not all doom and gloom, folks. There's still uh, You can still feed yourself pretty well uh, by going to the market and not shopping under the fluorescent lights. And uh, and then I thought maybe we might check in because when the waters get cold, the fish are good and the oysters are good. And uh, who better to comment on that than someone who's a witness to 
where most of our fish comes from. And I'm speaking of Nick Maluk, and we're going to have a chat to him in uh, the eastern extremities of our state, uh, Lakes Entrance, where he has that restaurant called Soda Fish, which um, I think is just a, a great place to, to go and eat. It's just a bit of a shame that it's about three and a half, four hours away. But uh, if you can get there, do. Nick will be on the blower uh, when we uh, when we get him. So I think that's kind of good. Um, you wanted to mention something about citrus being yummy and juicy and... Oh, I don't have a particular point to make other than it's seasonal, right? And um, citrus is, um, you know, it's now a good time to jump on it. And I just happened to have one of the most delightful oranges I've had. A point well made <laughs> um, and, yesterday. and a great observation. Yeah, no, fantastic, yeah. And, um, well, shout out to the Negronis of the world. <laughs> and, yes, where would we be without our favourite garnish <laughs> right, for the yeah, Negroni? That's right. Uh, so yeah. Make the Negroni whole. Negroni's just, you know, an excuse. To, an orange is just an excuse to have a Negroni. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you're lucky enough to have the other three ingredients within reach. Yeah. In fact, I must do that. I must get a Negroni kit. I haven't had a bit off the Negronis lately. But, uh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. My favourite thing to do, uh, there is so, there is so much great citrus yeah. around at the moment, whether it's the all those wonderful things in the Mandarin family where, you know, you've got the the first the first one, the Imperial, which can, you know, loose-skinned, can be disappointing. But when you get a perfect sweet one, it's, it's like a joy. It's uh, like, woo! Yeah. Almost feel like, you know, doing a little victory lap of whatever room you're in. A party in your mouth. A party in your mouth. Um, navels are amazing. There's the Karakaras. I don't know if you've had those. Oh, tell That's us about actually Karakara. one to look out for. It's um, It looks like a navel. The flesh is pink and sweet ah. and profound and oh lord it's uh, it's really 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 good and then there's those really really ugly ones um oh what are they called they're sort of a mandarin with um easy peel but there's they've got a bit of grapefruit in them very ugly looking things though citrus fruit is great yeah really really is good and um and again, one of my favourite salads in the world is radicchio with some orange in there, a little bit of parsley. Walnut. Um, yeah, possibly, possibly. Uh, yeah, okay, all right, you're going, come on, work with me on the walnut. Don't, don't squelch me, Cam. Yeah, okay, walnut. Yeah, put the walnuts in there, Kent. Uh, but just the fact that you have um, a taste of sunshine on your plate in the middle of winter. And uh, let's face it, if you're not... Uh, eating a lot of citrus and stuff, maybe you're missing out on some vitamin C, but it is 12.11 here on 3RRRFM. We're going to talk to a man. Green thumbs, Oof. born with them. Clive Blasey, uh, after we do a little bit of, uh, what are we going to do, sponsorship announcements? Yeah, while you get it on the blower? Yep. Thank you. Triple. Triple R is where you're at, and you know what? We are just absolutely delighted that you've uh, given a little bit of time to join us. And, uh, well, we would probably entreat you to uh, stick with us because it just gets better and better. The afternoon 
into the evening. But uh, in this particular point in time on the radio, it is... uh, Oh, with a great honour that uh, we get to actually speak. Uh, uh, Great people, beautiful humans out there. The Diggers Club was founded in 1978, and we are lucky to have the helmsman, the the co-founder of the Great Diggers Club, and uh, it's a delight to welcome to the airwaves Clive Blasey. A very, very good afternoon. Uh, Where have we found you, Clive? Uh, g'day. I'm a terrible rower, so that I don't like the analogy much. We'd be going round in circles. Oh, but OK. I, <laughs> but I'm ringing from Sorrento, in fact, and it's a beautiful sunny day. Calm for a change. Oh, well, maybe instead of being a rower, you could get out on, in one of those cooter boats that uh, uh, are very, very popular down there with a certain type of person who lives down the coast. That's right. Oh, we've also, uh, we're, we're lucky being at Sorrento, we've got the front beach, which is where I used to sail, mm. and we've got the back beach where I used to body surf. So oh. and, and, of course, there's there's hardly anyone down here at this time of the year. Oh, Magical. even better, my God. So the, uh, the hordes have uh, sort of stayed away. Well, that's, it's a nice place. Well, um, I thought we'd just... Uh, get you on the blower, first of all, just to, uh, well, maybe just start off by saying, I'll, I'll start off with a motherhood statement and saying that food and veg is uh, is getting quite expensive at the moment with uh, for various, various reasons. And I would say now more than ever, it's uh, very, very important that people are able to Grow some of their food. I mean, no one's going to be able to grow all their food at home. I mean, let's forget it unless you live on a farm. But uh, with Diggers Club and uh, seed saving, it's a very important thing to uh, grow a little bit of your own food. What would you say to that? Um, Yes, well, um, I know everyone talks great late lettuce. Um, but um, that's the least desirable lettuce to eat. So we'd be encouraging people to grow things that don't have to head up. Yes. And that they don't have the same shelf life. They're easier to pick as they go, which you can't do with Great Lakes. Yes. But um, the, the thing that I'm keenest on, which everyone perhaps could think about, mm-hmm. is growing arugula, which is um, arugula, a, a pretty... Arugula. A pretty a, 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 is a sort of... You could harvest in about four or five weeks. It's that sort of peppery flavoured, um, mm. uh, long, uh, you know, um, indented leaf, but um, pr- pretty much the fastest grower, and it's probably even better health than uh, lettuce. So there's lots of other um, alternatives to, to lettuce, um, and, and that's what I'd be recommending, arugula. I reckon that's uh, that's a pretty good recommendation, Clive. And the, the great thing about arugula, also known as roquette or rocket, yeah. Uh, yeah. is uh, is that Penny in the background? Yes, no, uh, Penny in the background. Hi, She's... Penny. <laughs> Hi, Sam. Good. I just I heard you going. All yeah. the vegetable gardening down here, I do. Yeah, I, I like the way you're helping out. It's rocket, Clive. Come on. Uh, but, but also, I was going to say, yeah, both you, Clive and Penny, um, is the fact that once you establish uh, rocket, you get it to grow and you leave it in the ground, 
you've got it forever. And every winter, it just keeps coming up. And uh, uh, that's, uh, that's a great joy of, of having that one in. I'm going to jump in here. I think the better one is actually red mustard. Great red mustard. It's oh, the most beautiful plant it when is. it comes up with those lovely leaves. But it's a little bit hotter, and you can just put it in the salad too. But it's stronger. It, it's a beautiful it, plant for look It's a very decorative thing, but it takes a bit longer. That's about all. It does. It looks We could call it sort of the mignonette with heaps of attitude. Yes, because it's it's those same beautiful colours, isn't it, that um, Mignonette yes. has, but uh, it's the lettuce that bites back <laughs> bigly. Um, well, look, we, we, we like to garden decoratively, and it's probably about the thing you could be planting in winter mm. if you wanted um, not only uh, something that's uh, bitey for the uh, plate, but fantastic to look at in the garden. And and broccoli, and the best broccoli is Romanesque, because it's got the most fabulous shape and colours. It comes up in a little peak. It looks like coral. It's absolutely beautiful, and every single one's different. So when they come up, I mean, you can buy them as seedlings. Yes. But Romanesco is, I mean, there's a lot of other broccolis, but I love that one. Well, Damn, you didn't expect to get two for one, did oh, you? Oh, this is this is great. Well, okay, okay. You 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 bring up Romanesco, and I love Romanesco because you have God's equation uh, right there in front of you. You have we talk about fractals, and uh, we talk about I think it's the Mandelbrot set that we uh, we talk about, and and uh, and also God's equation, and you can see that. Right in this vegetable, it's it's one of the most beautiful things on this earth, and that's coming from uh, a very dedicated agnostic, too. By the way, yes, yes, I quite agree. You know, um, beautiful patterns, lovely. Look at us in, look at us in furious agreement. I'm I'm kind of liking that. Uh, tell me, uh, look, we we haven't spoken for such a long time, and. Um, Maybe just a, a quick moment just to reflect on uh, the changes that you have seen um, since... This is a, a very a, a big question. You can go as deep or as shallow as you like, but Diggers Club was first founded in 1978, and how has the world of gardening changed and uh, the economics of gardening changed what have you seen in all that time now that we here we are in 2022? Well, um, we, we've, been, we've been battling GM seeds for about 25 years. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, uh, uh, that's serious. We, we haven't made terribly much impact there, which is, is a pity. Uh, but the consequence of of GE seeds is that um, you know if we if we go back you know maybe thirty or maybe a thousand small seed companies mm. and and now the the two biggest uh, or three biggest seed companies control seventy percent of our vegetable food supply so oh. so little minnows like us you know there's a lot of small companies that are giving a good range and battling them we still haven't um, won the big big argument really. Mm. And can think the other thing that's um, I've just picked up. Um, I don't know if you with uh, gene ethics, but I've just 
picked up that uh, they're now genetically modifying seeds of eucalypts. So to think that uh, we could have GE forests, um, uh, which is, would be a disaster. I don't want to depress everybody, but to, su- to some extent, whilst uh, we've, we've got some traction amongst, you know, passionate um, organic gardeners, there's still one hell of a long way to go, I'm afraid. Yeah. Did, did, did we win the battle, though? I, I remember at the, the very darkest times of, um, of GMOs, um, and seeds and things like that. Um, I seem to recall there was a very, very large agribusiness that starts with M and ends with O, that it was going to introduce a thing called the Terminator gene. And I yep. thought because of the outcry that actually came from the general public on that one, that was one thing that they retreated from. Terminator gene yep. meaning that it will you will grow something and the seeds shall not set because there is, uh, oh, I don't know, some sort of gene shearing that stops um, yeah. the plant doing that. Am I correct there? Yeah, no, no, no. And, and, and that, that's what sort of galvanised everybody because effectively that means one seed company uh, supplied the whole bloody world. Imagine what, you know, life would be down to that. But anyway, yes, no, we, we, we or it, all of us who stood up against that um, did have a victory there yeah good but, um, um, you know we've 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 had battles with our local in Northcote trying to stop um, um, zero or glyphosate oh, and really? um, that that's very hard well we actually the council I think did say they were going to stop it mm. um, you know, the, the trouble is, um, other, other than us getting down their hands and knees and pulling this stuff out, there still isn't some broadleaf way of controlling um, weeds um, without affecting the soil that, that I know of. So, yeah. you know, we do, we, we do need big tech to help us. Can't, we, you know, flames, but, we, you know, you still can't control the, the um, root underground. The perennial root is... is so, yeah, we, we, we need technology to help us, but we're still not um, winning, I'm afraid. And there's still not something that kills onion grass dead in, the, in its, its tracks, no. which is uh, uh, a little... Uh, well, it's, uh, it, it's a bit of a, a, a huge shame. Uh, but um, with... In... Sorry, Penny, what was that? Oh, it's just that you've all made people much more aware, especially the youngest... Everybody's much more aware of genetically modified. Yes, things. that's that's <laughs> true. And and maybe okay, maybe I'll put one thing forward to you that um, um, having done um, a, a bit of work and collaboration with uh, Yost Backer down there at the greenhouse at uh, Fed Square or Birong Ma, really, if we're we're honest about it, is. Um, the thing that I really got from that is you've got to have good soil because without good soil, without organisms living within the soil, um, yep. you, you just, well, you, 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 you're not going to get good results. Yeah. Well, um, yes, I know, I know you know that this, this story um, intimately, but the fantastic thing about um, Yost is in that thing, 
is that, um, you know, he's growing plants that don't necessarily... Uh, food, not plants. Food that doesn't necessarily uh, photosynthesise. So he can grow stuff in the dark, like shellfish and... and um, what is... Uh, uh, crickets, then. Uh, you must have eaten crickets, I suppose. Yeah, I, 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 have, there, there. I haven't tried... <laughs> I've had I've had crickets on a pizza, but and uh, yeah, they've they've been kind of good. We also had mealworms that were eating the uh, polystyrene foam, um, and okay. and it was it was a great um, example of a uh, a closed system, um, which was uh, fantastic. The hardest part, of course, was um, the aquaponics part of uh, that whole thing. But uh, the, his soil, my God, you could. Uh, You'd grow root hairs off a matchstick with that stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, he's he, he's he's actually made terrific progress in in, in twenty years since since we've known known him. But um, uh, so uh, sadly, although we've got the organic movement a uh, lot more vocal, uh, we still haven't won the main deal. So yeah. I think he's had more success than we have, really. Well, yeah, it is a long war, and there have been battles. Oh, and also, we should um, pay homage to uh, another one of the great collaborators with Yost, a guy called Luke, who um, is responsible for a lot of the worm castings that go into that. Oh, okay. We um, um, time time just uh, runs by us. So, we're, next time you're in Northcote, we'd love to have you in the studio. But for those that do have gardens. Um, at this time of year, it's sort of getting towards the end of winter. Just in maybe a minute or so, either Clive and you too, Penny, because it's delightful to hear your voice as well. Um, what should we be doing in the garden? Um, well, not look at my garden down at Sorrento. <laughs> All right, we, we, we won't look at that. But um, at, at, Her at Heronswood... Um, Effectively, um, we're starting out because tomatoes take so long, and we want to get them in by cup day. It's usually yes. six to eight weeks before um, seedling, ready to plant out. And of course, um, if you're in other states, um, you know um, you can plant earlier earlier than us. So, getting tomatoes um, started, I think, is the key thing. And I suppose that applies eggplants and. And peppers, which you know need a long um, growing period. Yep. Um, um, so at this time in in our garden, we're building up our soil uh, fertility, making sure that um, um, uh, we we've, we've got mulching ready for summer. Yep. Um, particularly around our um, ornamental plants and, and our trees, um, we're doing a lot. Replanting, so uh, those of us who've got space, um, you know, this is about the last month down here anyway. Yes. That, um, um, we can get our trees in. We've just started an arboretum and, and we're running about uh, three or four weeks behind. Mm. So we've got, we've got to get all, all our uh, trees in. And you've, um, and you've also, Clive, you've just written a book on trees, have you not? Yes. Well, okay, well, uh, tell you what. What we might do is, why don't we get you back in in the next few weeks when you're around Northcote and you can come into the studio and, uh, yeah. and we can talk about the importance of trees because uh, 
something much neglected uh, but uh, very much missed when you're in uh, February and there's not enough of them around, if you know what yeah, I mean. No, not, All right. Well, we're okay. going to leave it to it. Penny, thank you. Clive, you rock. Good on. Love you guys. And Thanks. <laughs> there they are. Uh, the happy couple up there in Sorrento, the Diggers Club. Uh, it's worth having a look at the, the website, and uh, I suggest you do. Folks out there, you'll be happy to know that John's making me feel right at home, which is... Uh, it's very, very lovely of him. He's cleared a few boxes away. Uh, we're at the back of Tomato City. He's about to get stuck into what looks like a beautiful, beautiful cauliflower. You can't see it. Well, no, I'm just sort of seeing that here is nature, the way it just wraps up and coddles and protects what's precious underneath. Definitely. This is a newer variety, um, and, and it grows in the middle of... Um, this is a winter crop, so yeah. and, and it grows with all the leaves encasing the cauliflower so you can't see it. In the olden days, I can remember when I was small, we went out to Werribee to visit some of the growers, and yeah. they used to have to bunch up the leaves and tie them with a rubber band. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. So they, they wouldn't go yellowy, purpley when the sun shines. Yeah, or if they hit something hard, the, yeah, you know, yeah. the beautiful Florence just yeah. didn't get um, yeah. so these even, smashed up. Even if they get a bit of hail, they've got their protection. And the beauty of it is that these beautiful pale leaves are very, very edible. Mm. In the olden days, the Greeks and Italians used to ask for them because uh, they're beautiful to boil with the cauliflower. Sometimes they can be a little bit sweeter than a cauliflower. They're lovely done battered or tempered, any way you like. So, But just steamed with a bit of olive oil on them with the cauliflower is lovely. So don't throw them away. Don't throw them away, definitely. And leave them on until you're going to use the cauliflower so it'll keep beautiful, clean and fresh. I was right, though. It's a pretty beautiful cauliflower underneath. Yeah, definitely. And this cauliflower is only $6, and you'll probably get four meals out of this. So even though some things have gone up, and even, you know, we would have sold this for $3 last year. Yeah. It's double the price, but still, it's very, very good value. What do you reckon the weight on that is? Uh, we over we weighed one a little bit bigger than this uh, the other day. It was five kilo with all the outside leaves off. And when I trimmed it back, it was about three kilo. Yeah, so this right. one's probably about two and a half kilo. Um, yeah, okay. And so, it's got a very big core as well, which yeah. is very, very edible. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, maybe look at your cauliflower a little bit differently. Definitely, because there's good. so many things you can do. Mm. I, I like to be naughty and ask for um, um, parboiled battered cauliflower. Yeah, yeah you're with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but this week, she, she just put it in the roasting pan... Um, with the uh, chicken and potatoes and that, and the cauliflower sucked up all that juice from the chicken, oh, and it was glorious. Yeah, it really was. I enjoyed it a lot. The thing I've been enjoying um, throwing into roast lately is um, chucking in a carrot because they become so sweet and so profound. Yeah, the baked carrots or fried carrots are always very, very sweet. Mm. Uh, some people can't do it because of that reason. Yeah. Um, but those of us that can, we do. And I, I love baked carrot. I always have. Oh, it's just beautiful. And good morning. I don't know if we've actually said yes. good morning we, to you. We, we got, sort of. We got sort of sucked in into the, the cauliflower yeah, vortex, uh, which was uh, kind of good. But one question. Am I, am I right? Am I wrong? Out of chokes. They've been gone too long. 
It's time, but what we've seen around has been... Um, Pretty no, substandard. They've been ugly. Yeah, you've been um, saying that for a month now. Yes, we saw some and Joe said maybe in a week or two. Uh, I have a feeling they've been sending the better stuff to Sydney because uh, we've seen photos on the Instagrams. Yes, okay. um, But there's not a, a real lot around. A lot of the older boys are not here anymore. They used to love doing it. Mm. The younger boys, well, it's a lot of work growing an artichoke. You need a lot of water, a lot of time. Yes, um, a lot of space. A lot of space as well. Yeah, because um, they're, they're not a compact crop, are they? No, definitely not. And the newer varieties can grow up to three metres tall. Uh, I saw them in California, three, four metre tall plants, and oh, I was astonished. I'm, I'm looking at John with my mouth wide open going, what? Yeah, I mean... It's up to the roof. Yeah, How yeah, yeah. them? Oh, I don't know. Send a boy up on a ladder. <laughs> I, I think maybe they're, they're using those... Um, Pruning scissors, who knows, but I'd hate for one to fall on your head. And maybe because we're in America, someone's got a, a baseball catches with underneath <laughs> it going, all right, there we go, I'll let it go. Um, all right, well, we should probably concentrate on what is here. Um, you've uh, Last time I saw you a couple of weeks ago, you had boxes and boxes of green tomatoes in the, in the back of the truck, desperately trying to get some sun to them to, uh, to turn them from green... Uh, to, well, what we sort of associate with a tomato. Yeah. Red. Well, this is one of them, uh, yeah. and it has gone beautiful red. It's come good. Still a little bit green for me, but the customers have been trying them and loving them. Mm. And since we're talking about tomatoes, I'll tell you about um, what we've got today. We, we've still got all the beautiful cherry tomatoes and mini romas and black Russians and all the heirlooms and that. Yep. But um, because tomatoes, good tomatoes are so hard to get, yeah, because um, we're in the middle of winter and we, we, we should recognise that. This yeah. is a real winter and we're feeling it. Yep. Um, we've got these tomatoes actually came out of Geelong. This one, um, the boy that sold them to me said that he's related to the growers. They've been looking for the right variety for three or four years and they finally found it. This is a beautiful, big, plump, um, rosy. Little bit rosy, a little bit bigger than an egg in uh, mm-hmm. circumference. Uh, it's Juicy and crunchy, got a lot of flavour. Unfortunately, we have to sell them $15 a kilo. Whoa! Yeah, yeah but look I'd at that. like to talk a little bit about that. All right, but about. look, um, I'm looking at this, and this is a tomato that is definitely, even though it's the middle of winter, this thing is full of life. It is. It is. And if I scratch the calyx a little bit, you know, that You'll green smell little it. bit. Yeah, yeah, there's a little, there's a little, yeah, smell that. Yeah. There's a little hint of summer yeah, there. Definitely, definitely. Now, I've got an older variety tomato that we get out of uh, Murray Bridge, South Australia. Yep. Uh, grown in a glass house. It doesn't look pretty. No. Um, but. Bit spotty. A bit spotty. Not, not actually spotty, just uh, not an even colour. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. Okay, I take hey, that back. Thank you. All right, I stand corrected. Hey. But look at it, it's cut in half. It's full of juice, full of vibrancy, it's full of sugar as well. Yep. Um, because they're not pretty, we, we're throwing these out at $9 a kilo. I know Woo! it sounds strange to say throwing it out, but... Yeah, well, um, you know, sign of the times. Sign of the times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. Uh, and we're lucky to have tomatoes and people are appreciating it. Um, some people looking at the ticket say, well, we love our tomatoes, so we have to buy it. And I keep saying to people, well... You, you've got to consider, you know, buy a couple. Yeah, that's what um, I'm holding up my, my two fingers going, just buy a couple and relish the thing that you're having a little bit of tomato and then 
move on to something that's cheaper. But you can you can balance things out. And that's the Definitely. the thing about the market and the fact that when you're coming here now, and this is a little segue into what you want to do, is uh, there's some expensive prices, but there are still things you can do to, you know, make sure that it's not going to cost uh, an arm and a leg to eat well. Yeah. Well, we've been spoiled for the last 25 years where we've had even prices through winter and summer. Because mm. when mum and dad went overseas 20, 25 years ago, I sold capsicums and tomatoes $15 a kilo then. Now, you can imagine the value of the dollar between then and now... Um, you know, now we're prepared to pay 100000 for a car or a million and a bit for a house and be happy about it. Well, I don't and know that some of us, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah you look around, there's yeah, a lot of people who love the cars out there. Point taken. But yeah, what, yeah. what I'm saying is you have to stop and realise that food is the stuff of our life like water. Can't live without water, can't live without food. Mm. Once you've had your food, then everything else can come. Yes. And if it doesn't come, everything else, you've got food and you're still living like a king. It helps. Uh, you brought these little tiddlywinks. We've got some little cucumbers. They look unreal. Um, they're about five, ten, five inches, ten. What's that? Centimeters. About Twelve centimeters. Yeah, yeah. They're um, but, long, but they're skinny little things. Yeah, they're, they're uh, um, like my little fat finger. Um, these were the long cucumbers you get wrapped up. Now, what they do is they go through the crop, they pull all the crooked ones off because mm-hmm. they won't grow straight. Yep. They pull them off, uh, shove them in a bag, send them to us. These are crunchy, there's no moisture in them. Yep. Then they pump the big ones full of water, and that's why they're always ugly and juicy and, you know, if you don't eat them fresh, water, they're watering. So this will give you a real flavour of a cucumber. And a crunch. And a crunch because they are quite dry, they're not wet. That's right. Which is, uh, is kind of good. And people have been jumping on them. Um, sometimes I say to people, buy them, and I, they buy a couple, and the next week they come looking for them again. Mm. Um, you could probably even do a quick pickle with them too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that would be really, really good. Uh, let's see. I see fruit-wise, just very quickly across the way, um, we've got an embarrassment of oranges and mandarins. And mandarins and and, I mean, if you're not getting your vitamin C this time of year, and you're not eating well. And there's several oranges, if you're old enough to know, and make several jam or marmalade. It's marmalade, isn't it? Or cordial. Or cordial. Better yeah, yeah. Still, no, yes. I like and, a little bit of that agro, uh, agro cordial. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. amazing what you can do with them. Yeah. So, as you said, there are, there, there's 15, 20 varieties of mandarins because there's imperials with seed, there's imperials without seed, mm. there's little ones, there's big ones, you name it, they're out there. And they're nice to make juice, but if you make juice, you have to drink it soon, apparently. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, passion fruits are just... Just it's the it's the little fruit that could <coughs> over the last few months, and it did. Still eighty like eighty cents They're each. Big ones, but They're they big are ones. huge. They're yeah. like a big, bigger than a large egg. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so yeah, they are fantastic. Uh, we're starting to get green mangoes that are coming in, which is good. Uh, yeah, there's some KPs around. They're not cheap. I, I saw someone in someone's basket. They said they paid. 350 for an ugly one, which is not bad going for the first ones. That's very, very, very good. KP, of course, meaning Kensington Pride, the greatest mango in the free world. Yeah, the only one I eat. Me too. <laughs> this is one thing that uh, and the John and I... There have been millions of kiwi fruit. We've been enjoying the uh, golden ones. Yes. Um, most seasons, when they get very, very ripe, they're 
overripe, but we've been eating yeah. some that have been really ripe and have yeah. been gorgeous. Yeah, and more vitamin C than uh, than even uh, even those oranges. All right, pick of the market. Pick of the market. Definitely cauliflower. There's so many things you can do. Mm. Um, I don't like cauliflower soup, but it does come up beautiful. Yeah. Um, what else can I say? Cabbage. Cabbage, we've been selling $10, $18 in Sydney. So buy a little bit, steam it up with a bit of bacon or something. Mm. Uh, can't go wrong. Cut a um, coleslaw. It's good. Yeah, we've got beautiful mini capsicums out there. We've got red, yellow, orange. Um, we've got beautiful bullhorn capsicums. Um, we've got some hot capsicums out there, hot chillies as well. You know the banana chillies? You gave me a couple of those yeah, last yeah, week. Yeah, you, and you I, want and to I, take a red one and try the red one. The red one will make your socks tingle. Woo, it was good on the side with just, you know, a little bit. I think I might have had it with um, with a piece of steak, and it was uh, it was really, really, really good. Yeah, Franca stuffed the normal capsicums and one of those, and I enjoyed it. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, they're, they're nice. There's everything out there. We, we uh, capsicums, uh, twelve zucchini, eight eggplant, eight. Um, we got sweet potatoes, four bucks a kilo. They're beautiful. Mm. Okra um, seems to be around about the same, fifteen. Yeah, so if you're yeah. a if you're a committed okra buyer, that's pretty much the same as what it was costing. You know what we forgot to look at? Asparagus. Oh, you got asparagus. We've got asparagus from mm. um, Mildura. Yes. Um, they're not gritty like they were last year, last because oh, they're growing yeah, in the red sand. Yeah, that's right. Um, they're a little bit bent because it's been windy, so you know the asparagus they they pop up overnight mm. and they get a little bit of wind, so they bend over. So we've been lucky. We bought all the ones that broke in half and we got the tips. Mm. There's no waste in them. Uh, Frank has been brushing them with oil and shoving them in the oven or the gorilla. Yeah. They've been lovely. Uh, I'm still waiting for a frittata. We'll see what happens uh, All right, tomorrow gotta, night. You've got to behave yourself. Yeah, uh, but they're beautiful and, and just so easy to deal with. And, and they're very good for you as well to give the kidneys a working out. Yes, they do. And uh, and if you have the predisposition, you'll know you've eaten asparagus uh, within about, oh, it's weird, eight a few minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, a few minutes, yeah, a few minutes. I don't know how it happens. And just as an uh, observation uh, with the market today, uh, there's... Um, there's not a lot of crowds here. You can get down, but there's something... The wind. The wind seems to be coming from the south because you know what I can smell? The donut van. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. old habits die hard, mate. Donuts. That, that's why a lot of us come to the markets. Well, yeah. Depend, and you can also uh, sort of gauge the crowd by the length of the donut van. But I hope Franca cooks you something good tonight. She will. Always good to catch up. As we'll usual, it's a pleasure. We'll see you soon, and uh, I'll let Joey put the coffee on. Yeah, have a lovely day, guys. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. Welcome to all of you that uh, might have... Have you just got up? Wow, that's uh, impressive. Uh, or have you just got in and you've uh, chucked the old radio on or the stream or wherever you are? We welcome you here to 3 Triple R FM. Edith is the name of the show. My name is Cam Smith. Uh, Kent's just uh, leaping out of the studio because he can. And we also, with the modern miracle of the phone, we head east and east until we get to Lakes Entrance, right close to uh, where Victoria borders onto New South Wales. And there's a beautiful place there. 
run by a beautiful guy. The name of the uh, beautiful place is Sodafish. That beautiful guy is Nick Maluk. Hey, you beautiful guy. How you doing? <laughs> what an intro. Thanks, Cam. Not I'm bad. doing good. I'm not, doing good. Not bad. Not bad. But well-deserved. Well, well, well well-deserved. It's like uh, we've known each other for a few footy seasons and... Uh, We've always got along pretty well together, doing uh, yeah. bits and pieces. But I thought, because uh, of where you are, that you came back home to uh, back to your roots in uh, Lake Sandtrance, and you opened up Soda Fish, which is that beautiful floating restaurant, which is right on the water. That sees you are witness to uh, well, you're pretty much a witness to the seafood industry in this state, and I thought we might get a little snapshot of um, how you reckon the season is going and maybe pull out some of your your favourites. Some of the go-tos? Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, how's the restaurant going? Well, the restaurant's good, you know. This winter time, it's a time to consolidate, you know, mm. rest people from the busy summer period. Yep. You know, um, work on recipes, refine things. So it's work going on, well, you know. Work on trauma with your staff, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's okay, <laughs> breathe, breathe. You're going to be all right. You know right. what, with this, with this sunny weather around again, it's a reminder that it's just around the corner. Summertime. Okay. Oh, have yeah, you been getting so. sunshine in Gippsland? <clears throat> No, it always the, the sun's always shining in Gippsland, Cam. You should know that. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the wind is blowing a gale. That's it. That's yeah, it. unless it's blowing a howling westerly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that seems to be the other thing. When um, actually, a, a friend of mine actually put that to me. The weather forecast it's always about big winds in in Gippsland, but uh, not enough to keep the the fishermen in port. They're pretty tough. Those fishermen. They always like going out when it's a little bit breezy. Oh, do they? Wow. You know, the ones who want to make money do. Yeah, well, that's true. What's, yeah, what's your motivation? Uh, keeping a roof over my head? Yeah, fair enough. And uh, and also keeping uh, keeping the boat in the water. But uh, yeah. um, so, what is at its best now? You reckon? Fish in general, you mm, know. Mm. But like when winter come when when winter time comes along, I just. I love bass straight scallops. You know, they're they're just the best. And if you can get them straight off the boat, or the next best best thing, shucked, and then you know, straight to your door, mm. you cannot beat it. The firmness of the meat, the sweetness of it, row attached, of course. Yeah, row um, attached. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I, me and my head chef sometimes come to uh, come to fifty cuffs. Well, not fifty cuffs, but he, he's a Scotsman, so he takes the row off. And I'm like, what are you doing? Leave the row on, you idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's but, uh, you know, come on. We we agree to disagree. Oh, okay. But you know, these scallops I had the other day, I'd, and scallops are one of those things you just got to do them simply, like super simply. All I did was crumb them. You know, a little bit of parmesan, a little bit of lemon zest in the crumb, had them with some lemon and a couple of beers. I was I was just in heaven. You know. Jeez, you, you, you know, I remember a day uh, back in the day when that used to be like a pub meal. You'd have crumbed. Yes. Beautiful. Maybe, maybe not all. You know, a la fancy with the the parmigiano and the uh, and the bit of greenery in there. But yeah, mm. crumbs, scallops. Oh my god, they used to be it's, so good. Yeah, but I think since the price has gone north and you know the yeah. the quality of food in our pubs have just slipped a little bit. They've just slipped off all the menus. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, Crazy. When I first started in pubs in, in Lake Entrance, there was crumb scallops everywhere. Yeah, <coughs> and usually served up with uh, a terrible tartar sauce made with Eda mayonnaise, yeah. you know, that super sweet mm. stuff. 
Anyway, let's uh, let's let's go back on to the positive. <laughs> uh, you were saying to me, King George Whiting are uh, uh, are pretty awesome at the moment. King George Whiting are amazing. We're processing them at the moment, and we get them out of Corner Inlet in South Gippsland. Mm. And the amount of fat content that they've got in their belly is just unbelievable. You could uh, lubricate a small vehicle on a on a couple of fish bins on them. Well, that's something but, um, that most people don't think about when they think about fish. I mean, you know, we've all seen chicken fat, and <laughs> we talk about marbling and beef, you know, intermuscular fat and all that sort of stuff. But uh, not so much maybe with uh, with fish. Yeah, with a clean, delicate King George Whiting, you don't associate it with fat, right? But no. Where, where do you find the fat deposits? Like, where, where, well, where just, is it? Just on the inside of the stomach lining, there's there's uh-huh. big fat deposits. And also distributed through the meat as well, or the flesh. But yes. um, it's just, it's amazing this time of year. You get greasy cleaning them. And they're, they're amazing. Wow. And they're, they're in the best condition, you know. They're nice and fat and got a lot of girth to them. You get a nice fillet off them if you're filleting them, or a beautiful hole on the bone. Mm-hmm. And and we're also at a stage where we're seeing uh, animal protein getting super duper expensive, and uh, for you know a lot of people, the, a lot of these prime cuts are well certainly off the regular menu. Uh, maybe some you know, and then there's others that you know choose not to eat meat and you know respect all that sort of stuff. But I would put to you that in a way. Uh, fish is becoming almost an economical proposition. Absolutely. I, 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 I've been thinking that for years, you know, but the, the way it is at the moment with uh, other proteins increasing, like you said, and, you know, vegetables going through the roof as well, it's just mm. fish is a good, good alternative. And it should be the first choice on people's minds, I think. And Victorian fish, supporting our local industries, not that, you know, dirty farm salmon, it should be, uh, should be right up there for mine. Go support your local fishmonger <laughs> or your D- local boat. <laughs> Dirty farm salmon. Yeah, there's. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, did I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. You did, and uh, uh, and uh, I've got to say that um, I had a piece of um, uh, line caught salmon a while ago, and geez, the difference in taste and texture uh, is just extraordinary uh, yeah. to that stuff. It really, it's like the barramundi as well. Like, barramundi's a good farm fish, but the textural difference you get from a something from a that works. Barramundi. Yeah, rather yeah, than that's right. uh, do you actually do you remember there used to be a movie? This might be a little bit before your time, Nick, because you're a, you're a young buck. I'm a spring chicken. Yeah. Yes, a little spring chicken. Midnight Express. No, I don't know. Okay, Kent's looking at me. Uh, Basically, here's the synopsis. Uh, This guy gets busted for hashish uh, in Turkey, and uh, it's pretty much about him uh, and the terribleness of this Turkish prison. And one of the things that they have to do, which drives them insane, but it gives them some exercise, is they have this circular walking yard. Yep. Remember that, Kent? And, and they, they they walk around, it's clockwise, and that is pretty much, uh, now that I think about that, that movie, I think about farm salmon, because <laughs> if, you, uh, if you've ever seen Midnight Express and see them walking around, that's all you're condemned to do, just go in, in, a, in, well, if, in a circle like that. If I ever watch Midnight Express now, now I'll think about farm salmon, right? Well, anyway, we, 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 we've got homework for you. Um, all right, uh, got about five minutes left. Uh, maybe some of, King George Whiting is one of the um, 
the premium species of fish that we have, like the, it is the the Rolls Royce. Um, yeah. uh, what about the ones that might be a little bit cheaper that uh, people might be thinking about putting on their plate if they can find it? What's uh, some of the, the secondary fish that uh, you can get uh, a bit of a bargain and a really, really good feed? So out of, out of the inlet, I would go for King George's cousin, the the, silver? the grass whiting. Well, grass whiting. The yeah. silver whiting, but grass whiting, they're sort of, they're nearly tropical looking and they've just got a slightly grassy flavour. Yes. Uh, funny enough. Um, and out of the inlet, the yellow eye mullet is absolutely amazing at the moment. It's got to be fresh, it's got to be processed that day and eaten, you know, the day after or that day. Because it's absolutely an oil. amazing. It, it's a mullet, so therefore it's got a little bit of oil in it, right? Yeah, very yep. oily. Yes. At the same time of year, the oil content goes up in that as well. So it's beautiful. Yes. Um, we're getting some absolutely ripping sardines at the moment out of uh, Bass Strait, out of Lakes Entrance. Yes. From Mitchelson Fisheries. They're, they're thumpers. They look like little baby mackerels. They're that yes. big. Um, you know, red mullet's not as, not as cheap as it used to be, but that, that is beautiful at the moment as well. Yeah, where, where, and what do you use a red mullet in? I mean, I always, um, whenever I look at red mullet, I think of, uh, well, that, you know, that great French dish, Bouillabaisse, where yeah. uh, the Europe, the Northern Hemisphere variety um, is a big part of that. But um, what would you well, use mullet? Uh, how do you cook mullet? It's a, that's a go-to, your Bouillabaisse, right? It's got so much flavour. You cook the whole fish, everything just shreds off the bone, right? And yeah. It's just beautiful, but if you're willing to take the time on some absolutely immaculate fresh red mullet and you fill it, you could make a stock out of the bones and, and do all that same process. Mm. But you can just you can just grill up the red mullet, just touch the skin, just try and get it a little bit crisp, keep it rare on the other side, and I don't know, serve it with a a, a light dressing or a celeriac remoulade or a. Oh, oh yeah, a small puree or something. Oh, it's just okay. it's just magic. You know? it, it is magic. okay, and uh, and that brings us maybe for our final point of this conversation uh, is that uh, one of the great discoveries that uh, uh, people have made, it seems, in the last ten years or so in cooking fish, is that the skin is valid oh. and delicious. <laughs> Tell us crackling of the sea. Crackling of the sea. Tell us how do we uh, how do we uh, allow ourselves to cook uh, fish skin on and have the crackling of the sea, as you say. I sort of stumbled upon this when I was uh, back in the day when I was cooking the line at one of these restaurants I was at, and I would leave the fish uh, off the bone. So I did half the job. I left it off the bone, and I'd let the flesh firm up a little bit, skin side up in the cool room. Mm-hmm. And I'd leave it uncovered. And it wasn't my usual practice, right? I'd cover everything and label and date it, you know, as you do. But I just left it out one night. And right. I found the next day and I portioned it up. And I thought, geez, that's that's good skin now. Like That's amazing. It was a bit drier <laughs> than usual. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll start doing this as a normal practice. And basically that's it. That's it. You keep the moisture away from the skin. You treat it like a bit of pork belly or pork skin. And yes. keep it dry. Use minimal oil in the pan, let the natural oils come out and, ah, and yes. sort of bring the heat through the fish with the heat of the pan. So don't go into a screaming hot pan. Mm. Season it lightly. <clears throat> Press it down only if it needs it. Use a, use a lightweight if it needs it just to set the proteins. But if you if you bring the heat through the flesh with a cold or with a medium heat pan, it should just flatten out nicely and and cook it ninety percent of the way on the skin. 
and and you'll get a great result. You'll get a nice crispy skin. Yeah. You know, it'll be like crackle. Did I miss anything there, Cam? I'm sure you're good at cooking fish skin as well. No, mate, you uh, yeah. you nailed it as as expected. What, the name one, of the restaurant. One thing I would say. Oh yeah, oh, okay. We've, we've got you've got only about like about twenty seconds. Don't do it with a skinny bit of fish because you'll just dry it out. Just ah. do it with fat fish. Good. The restaurant's going great. We're doing a great truffle dinner on the first week of August. Check us out online. Yes. You can see uh, fish and truffles, local truffles. It's amazing. So book your tickets if you can. How much? Uh, uh, 120, I think, with match booze from the local area. Woo! So, sounds good. Tr- truffles mate, and fish. Night to remember. <laughs> Sounds good. So the name of the restaurant is Soda Fish. Soda Fish. We're going to let you go. Big hug to all. See you, Nick. Thanks for the chat. Love you, Cam. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 